brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Hello and welcome in to a little bit more Chiefs Talk to end your work week here on Sports Radio 810. I'm Josh Briscoe and we'll, we'll talk about the news of the day today. Obviously the Chiefs had a ton of it on the injury front and we'll, we'll peek ahead a little bit to Chiefs and Packers over the next uh, hour-ish or so of radio right here on Sports Radio 810. So thanks for joining us either real late tonight here on Friday night or whenever you catch up to it on the podcast. If you're listening now, following some baseball, and you say, oh, you know what? I'm not going to stick around for this tonight, but I'd like to check in on this tomorrow morning. No worries. Just subscribe to Almost Entirely Sports wherever you get your podcasts, and it will be there at the conclusion of this show. So however it is that you're listening tonight, thanks for joining us. We'll talk to Ryan Scott Hall of the Amateur Hour Chiefs podcast in just a little bit. We'll talk about all the injuries that have happened and where the Chiefs go from here. But the news at this point, I imagine you yourself have probably heard, but for uh, anyone who may have been living under a rock for the last handful of hours, Andy Reid has said that Patrick Mahomes, Eric Fisher, Kendall Fuller, Andrew Wiley, Chris Jones, and Frank Clark are all out for Sunday night's game against the Green Bay Packers. Obviously, Patrick Mahomes is the most noteworthy one, and and I actually like just want to start there, even in a little bit of uh, what I was thinking before we knew one way or another if, if he was going to be playing on Sunday, because I've seen a relatively small amount, but an amount of people following the the questioning of of if he would or should play, even now saying the Chiefs should have played him and not not bowed to the pressure of of the public, which I find very, very odd because I think regardless of what the Chiefs were going to do with Mahomes this week, and Reed said that he's very close, and so maybe we see him next week. At this point, I'm not holding my breath, but I'm also not going to voluntarily offer to get tased. If that means nothing to you, uh, you can check out my Twitter account from the last couple of days. It's been busy over there. But I, uh, I, I, I wouldn't be literally or even figuratively shocked at this point if he is a, a more full participant in practice next week and then going forward each day that passes by makes me think it's a better chance than Mahomes plays in the next up- upcoming game. But I would, I would think that regardless of the decision that they were going to make in this game this weekend – the instant reaction from fans, media, whatever, would need to be like very biased towards what the Chiefs ultimately decided because simply they have more information than we do. Whenever you're talking about an injury designation and you're talking about it with Patrick Mahomes the dude who is the face of your franchise for the next decade and change in an ideal scenario, a future perennial MVP candidate, this isn't something that you just sort of 
throw him out there on game day and see if he's good to go, like Sammy Watkins with a hamstring, you know, because he's a guy that you want to be playing and has certainly a level of importance, but he's Sammy Watkins and not Patrick Mahomes. It's it's fundamentally different, and a hamstring being sore or tight or whatever is fundamentally different than a quarterback, your franchise quarterback's kneecap being in and out of place. And so... Again, we, we now know that he won't play, but, but the thing that I wanted to touch on some tonight is the idea that in the conversations, and, and again, not knowing what the MRIs showed and everything like that, something that I assume was discussed in the, the conversations had at Arrowhead, is that if, if there's any additional chance of re-injury and if they saw this coming into the game this weekend or if they see this at any point next week if there's any additional chance of re-injury or at least a a substantive additional chance of re-injury I just don't think that he can play and the the phrase that that really underlined that for me was from Rick Burkholder uh, earlier this week whenever he said the, the, the MRI showed results that were, you know, the best case scenario they could imagine or they could have hoped for in that circumstance. Now, maybe you hear that and say, right, it was the best case scenario. Why wouldn't that open up the door to, to be able to play him as soon as possible? Maybe that's fair. But for me, seeing that phrase, I hear best case scenario and am, and and I'm reminded of what could have gone wrong, what could have been worse, and what could be worse if it were to happen again. That's where I was in that line of thinking. That's where I was fully decided on how I felt about Mahomes playing in this game or not. Because let's say something happens again. If it's just in any way not totally back. If if all of those ligaments haven't fully tightened back up to put that kneecap back in the exact place that it's supposed to be, or or the knee brace can't stabilize it exactly back to where it should be, what if it what if it it pops out again? You are banking on the best case scenario happening twice in a row. And that just isn't very statistically likely with the things that I've learned about injuries around the knee and the kneecap and, and a kneecap being dislocated in this way. And I'm not a doctor. I've read a lot from a lot of doctors on this topic in the last, whatever it's been, week and change from from last Thursday. But whenever you see all the speculation of, well, whenever a kneecap gets dislocated, it can stretch these tendons and sometimes it can tear these tendons or, God forbid, it cuts one of those tendons, right? You, You see so many, so many possibilities for less than the best case scenario to come through. I I don't feel the same way about Mahomes' knee as I did his his ankle sprain. The ankle sprain, like you I'm sure there could have been setbacks in there. I mean, I think we actually saw setbacks in there 
where maybe a fully healthy ankle isn't quite as as aggravated as his slightly sore whatever ankle was over the weeks as he was fighting back from that initial injury. But there was never a chance that his sprained ankle was going to be re-sprained and then end his season. It wasn't that a high ankle sprain could turn into a super mega high ankle sprain and that it was going to shut him down for the rest of 2019. Like That just wasn't really on the table. And so, looking at the kneecap dislocation as a whole other animal is is really important to me. Because if it pops out again, the odds are, just hearing the words of Rick Burkholder, the, the Chiefs head trainer, saying this is about as, the best case scenario we could have hoped for, that means there are way worse case scenarios if it were to happen again. And so with all of that in mind, listen, man, I was I circled Chiefs versus Packers before the schedule was even out with the specific dates. Just, oh, that's going to happen at some point? Yeah, that'll be a prime time one, and that will be a barn burner. I'm as bummed as you are, if not, I mean, as bummed as anyone on the planet about not being able to see Mahomes versus Rodgers. They're, they're probably my two favorite quarterbacks in the league to watch, and I was really excited to see them playing each other. And as someone rooting for the Chiefs, I would much rather see Patrick Mahomes playing for the team that I'm rooting for as opposed to Matt Moore. And just as someone who really loves good quarterbacking, I'd rather see Patrick Mahomes in any context than Matt Moore. I, I wanted all of those same things, but I also am able to look ahead and and to say that this isn't this isn't the argument still of just sit him and let him rest his ankle and this isn't the argument of essentially redshirt him and and keep 10 years down the line in the in the, the the binoculars this is just hey not this week patrick just not right now will things change next week maybe week after that maybe week after that Probably. Week after the bye week? Almost certainly. Like I said, it's increasingly likely that that he will be playing at some point. But to risk any of those less than best case scenarios for this game on Sunday night would have just felt tremendously short-sighted to me. And so I I have no problem with the Chiefs not playing Mahomes in this game, even having to guess at at the state of his knee at this point. Also, it means we don't have to get tased. Again, you can get the background information on that from my Twitter, which is at JB Briscoe, in case you were wondering. The short version is Chris Carter said he would be shocked if Mahomes didn't play on Sunday Night Football. Uh, I said that I would be shocked if he did play. In fact, I would be literally shocked uh, you could tase me, not not just any you, but that someone that I would get tased. I also tagged the KC Police Department. They said to be prepared to pee myself in front of everyone, or to maybe pee myself in front of everyone. I said that I'm always ready and prepared to maybe pee myself in front of everyone. So everything was was lined up there, uh, but I I would have been shocked if moments had played. Although the phrasing of that from Chris Carter, I'm wondering if he should steal my bit and if he should get tased because he said he would be shocked. Maybe that should be the new standard of uh, sports media gas baggery. 
If you say you would be shocked if something happened and then that thing happens, sorry, you got to get tased. Those are the rules now. I like that, actually. I like this new future that we're building. The, the rest of the injury report here is like also tremendously worrisome, especially with Matt Moore already being the quarterback in this conversation. No Eric Fisher or Andrew Wiley, not surprising, but not great for Matt Moore. Uh, no Kendall Fuller or Chris Jones, not surprising, but not great for a defense that needs to prove that last week was not a fluke against Joe Flacco. No Frank Clark is a bit surprising, certainly would have been surprising as of a week ago today because it seemed like he was good through the Broncos game and then wasn't good at the beginning of this week and they didn't have like a full contact practice in there as far as I'm aware of. So I'm not sure about the full storyline there on the on the Frank Clark neck injury. But for all of the for all of the, the times that he's been he's been joked about or or his salary has been questioned and I would say the latter being justified at this point I mean that's fine you can say hey was this dude worth the money you can say that about anybody at any time and and have that discussion with all of that being said he he is a very good defensive end uh, you you've seen teams run away from him on the ground and he showed up against Joe Flacco as a pass rusher, even when he hasn't been a sack machine. He's been something that opposing offenses have to be very aware of. And so for for that presence to be stripped away from this defense that's also lost Chris Jones, that also, I mean, early in the season lost, lost Breland Speaks, that has lost Xavier Williams, it's a really shallow unit there that has usually been very, very deep on that defensive line. Or the plan coming into the season was to be very, very deep. So you can look at Emmanuel Ogba and Tano Passano to get even more snaps than usual now. Replacing Frank Clark's share, uh, you, that you can't do that with Alex Okafor. Like that, Alex Okafor is still just taking his snaps Passano and Ogba have played a good amount inside, especially without Chris Jones there. So one of those guys is now outside all the time. Derek Noddy, Colin Saunders can hold down the middle for the most part, I suppose. And you can let um, Ogba and Passano spend most of their time in, in Frank Clark's spot. But if you look at the snap counts of this defense, it's been really versatile. Like They've, they've run through a, a, a ton of rotations, even all the way up through Frank Clark. So... That's concerning and, and something I'm certainly aware of. Rashad Fenton played really well on Thursday night, again, against Joe Flacco, but he played really well against Joe Flacco. For Kendall Fuller not to be out there, though, against Aaron Rodgers, isn't what you want. And so I, I also will be will be back here on 810 two more times before Chiefs Packers. We've got a two-hour show from noon to 2 tomorrow here on 810. Um, and then, again, a special uh, primetime pregame show before Chiefs-Packers kicks off here on 810. So we'll have plenty of time to talk about my thoughts about where Matt Moore and this offense go. But defensively, they have a tremendous, tremendous problem on their hands with Aaron Rodgers and company, even with a completely depleted group of receivers 
They've got a nice run game, and they have Aaron Rodgers and a good offensive line. So uh, all of the things that you would be worried about with, with Patrick Mahomes out there only become tremendously more worrisome without him, and that's the reality the Chiefs have to face at this point. We're going to take a break. I'm Josh Briscoe right here on Sports Radio 810. Ryan Scott Hall of the Amateur Hour Chiefs podcast joins us next. Welcome back into Sports Radio 810. I'm Josh Briscoe here with you this evening, now joined by our dear, dear friend, the man with the far superior radio voice, and many people would argue uh, far superior understanding of the Kansas City Chiefs, Ryan Scott Hall of the Amateur Hour Chiefs podcast. You can follow him on Twitter at Ryan Scott Hall. Um, what's your second favorite thing to tweet about if you're going or if you, just outside of football? Like people can follow you for Chiefs and what? Uh, politics. People don't want to see it, though. See, that's the problem. Since my, I asked, I was like, oh, I don't know if people are going to want that or not. No, my, my follower count tends to, like, bloom on Sundays, and then it's like everyone starts to leave during the week. A lot I, of fluctuation there. That's okay. That's how that goes sometimes. I had a couple of tweets. I joked whenever, well, joked. I said whenever Mahomes went down um, and in, in just the pile. I said, if Matt, if, uh, if Patrick Mahomes is out for the season, this is going to become a political Twitter account until he comes back. And honestly, like that still might happen. We'll see. But I actually, I had like a grand total of two political tweets in the, the week since then, and they have been much better received than my tweets about the Phoenix Suns. So for me, that's the topic I have to avoid. Kansas City is a strange place, man. Like, I... I... I'm not the type of person that's like, I'm going to unfollow you if you tweet about the Phoenix Suns. <laughs> but I also, like, have zero loyalties to any basketball team, and it doesn't matter if that's college or pro, and, like, just could not care less. And yet, like, there's, I mean, I think it's probably a vocal minority, but, like, there's a lot of really passionate basketball fans in this town, too. They just, you know, we, we got a weird group. Yeah. Yeah, that's I would say that also just accurately describes our general uh, shared Twitter following. It's like, eh, that's a weird, that's a weird group we've got there. Uh, I would also argue, as the master of segues, the Chiefs have a weird group of people playing football for them this weekend. Because my goodness, that we've been over this already on the show, but everybody is out, Ryan. Like it's not just Mahomes, which is. Good for me not getting tased at the very least. Um, but it is just a, a mass unit here. Like Frank Clark and Chris Jones and, and Eric Fisher and Andrew Wiley again. Uh, Kendall Fuller again. With, with all of the moving parts and obviously Matt Moore playing quarterback, where do you even begin trying to build a case for the Chiefs on Sunday night? Um, well, I want to start here. Um, how much money do you think that State Farm has poured into, like, the State <laughs> Farm showdown between Aaron Rodgers and oh, Holmes? And, oh. and now they, like, they're going to get all these commercials, that's and that's all you're going to see. Of you're right. There are going to be 50 of them over the course of the game, and they're going to have the CGI in Matt Moore. Yeah, right? Um, I mean, as far as the actual game on the field is concerned, I thought it was kind of interesting. I, so I was thinking about, like, you know, when people try to look at matchups and they want to do just like, let's find the essence of this football game, it's almost always coach and quarterback, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, I think that, like, the Andy Reid, where he sits in, like, coach hierarchy is fairly similar to, like, where Aaron Rodgers sits 
and quarterback hierarchy. Yeah. And then when you go to, uh, is it Zach Taylor or is he the Cincinnati one? One, one of the McVay disciples, whoever is coaching Green Bay, um, he's like my age. Right. And his first head coaching job. And, you know, I say he's my age. He's Matt Moore's age. Right. And, like, neither one of them have really established themselves as anything. And so it's kind of like Andy Reid versus Aaron Rodgers on Sunday night, I guess. Hmm. It feels like this, like, the teams are still oddly even. Um, but, I mean, honestly, man, what it boils down to, especially now, uh, I think that with Frank Clark out, and he was just making such a huge impact on, like, how teams tried to run the ball. Yeah. I know that teams were still successful, but, like, they ran it away from him. Yep. And now we don't really have anybody that's, that's stopping the run, seemingly. Um, I, it's, it's certainly not going to be a replay of the last time we saw the Chiefs defense against Joe Flacco and that horrific Denver Broncos offense. But I, I think that if I have to make a case that the Chiefs are going to be competitive against Green Bay, it's that Andy Reid has been able to successfully navigate similar circumstances with backup quarterbacks multiple times in his career and, like, I don't know that A.J. Feely or Coy Detmer were you know, better positioned than Matt Moore. Yeah. Um, and so it's, it's really all down to Andy Reid. I think that's an interesting way of looking at it. And for me, the thing that, that maybe the only part that I don't even really want to, to challenge but just add to is that this is this is not your NFL replacement level team that they're going up against here. Like I might have a conversation like this next week for the Vikings if there's no Patrick Mahomes back yet. I might have this conversation about the Titans or the Chargers, but specifically for the Packers, like with the growth you saw from the defense, like you mentioned, against Joe Flacco, but still, you you lose some progress made there because you keep losing guys on that defense. And and obviously, I, I think the offense will probably look a little bit better than it did uh, you know, at the beginning, especially with Matt Moore just getting thrown in there because I do buy Andy Reid's ability to work with what he's got. But the Packers have, have started to look really, really good in, in just about every phase, and, and that feels like too much for me right now. Is that unfair? No, not at all. Um, I mean, I don't think that Green Bay is like some kind of juggernaut. Mm-hmm. Um, they they might be headed that way. Mm-hmm. Um, the NFC is like completely loaded, right? It's kind of the opposite of the AFC where you've just got all of these excellent teams and you don't really know where anybody's going to land. Um, I guess I just, if if I'm trying to figure out like, what can the Chiefs do while missing all of these bodies against Green Bay? I don't think that the game plan defensively actually changes that much. Um, one of the, the tweets that I sent out this week um, that's been probably one of the more popular tweets I've sent out in years was that I just want the defense to be aggressive, live and die by the blitz, and know that, like, it's going to bite you sometimes. But at the very least, like, you are the team that is really, like, trying to dictate what happens. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, like, the weird thing for the Chiefs right now is that, you know, when you're, 
missing a guy like Frank Clark. And one of the conversations you and I had before the season was how I was so excited about the depth along the defensive line Mm -hmm. and the talent that they had and how now, you know, that we're seven weeks into the season, how disappointing the performance has been. And some of that is based on injuries, and that even includes, as much as I hate to say it, uh, Breland Speaks. Yeah. I mean, like, how, how much would we like to have Breland Speaks healthy right now, given all the other injuries that have gone on? Um, and, and so if, if, you're, if you're without Frank Clark, that means that they're probably starting Tano Passigno, who has also missed practice time this week. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's, it's really going to take a lot from Steve Spagnuolo to be able to, I think, try to match up with what Aaron Rodgers can do. Fortunately for the Chiefs, the Packers are so bad with their pass catchers. Yeah. It's mainly just Aaron Rodgers putting the ball in these places that it's kind of impossible for guys to be able to get after. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the very least, I think that like the Packers' offense is is as banged up at wide receiver as the Chiefs' defense is, you know, along the defensive line. That's all. That's all fair. And I just. If, if we were talking about a game with Patrick Mahomes, all of this would, would kind of hit different, I think. Um, but w- and this this might be a question that feels just about impossible to take the, the unpopular side on at this point, but I am curious as to what your mindset has been this week uh, up until we knew for sure that Mahomes wouldn't be playing. And I have seen some people of some record saying something along the lines of, of them being disappointed that the Chiefs didn't run Mahomes out there. Um, I had been predictive of and hopeful for some caution for this week and the next few weeks as well because I have deep concerns about everything going on in Patrick Mahomes' knee. So what was your mindset like throughout this week? And then do you have any disappointment that, that Mahomes didn't, maybe maybe the Chiefs didn't take the risk to try to get Mahomes to play in this game? Oh, dear God, no. Like, <laughs> not even a little bit. Um Honestly, like, I, I may have had a panic attack if they would have actually tried to trot him out there yeah, Sunday night. Yeah, it would have been horrifying. Uh, I mean, to be honest, like, I don't really see much motivation in trying to put him out there before December 1st against the Oakland Raiders. Yep. Uh, it's just like, I, I have seen some of these takes from national guys, um, Seemingly, and I don't know why this has happened, but like a, a large concentration of guys from Fox are all yes. like talking about like you know how Patrick Mahomes has got to be a football player and you got to play hurt and, you, and all this stuff. And I'm just like, dude, don't try to sabotage my football team. Right. Like I don't, right. I don't need any of that nonsense. Like if Mahomes is listening to anything, I'm hoping that he's listening to his girlfriend and, like, his agent, and ideally what I would hope is the getting the same message from guys like Andy Reid and Brett Beach, which is like, Pat, we're going to take care of this. You take care of yourself. And when we're, you know, when everybody's all ready and we're all on the same page, then we're going to get you back out there. And, I, like, to me, it's just I, I, I wanted to believe that this was like Andy Reid, the prankster that we <laughs> read about in that oral history of, like, Andy Reid likes to joke around. Right. He's always so serious in front of the microphone, um, you know, in, in during the week in his press conferences and after games that it's like you never really see that side of him. And so I kind of like to imagine him, like, twisting his mustache and saying, like, how can I mess with this rookie head coach in Green Bay? Right. Um, 
but I mean, honestly, I didn't even really understand, like, is this gamesmanship? Like, who in their right mind was actually thinking, like, Patrick Mahomes is going to go out and play on Sunday? Like, come on, what sort of mental gymnastics are you going through? That guy just had his kneecap, like, compl- it was on the side of his leg. Yes. It's yes. one of the most disgusting things that I have ever seen when they popped it back in. And, I mean, maybe I'm, I'm kind of criticizing my own quarterback because apparently he went to Andy after the, uh, the x-ray and was like, hey, I can get back in there, coach. I'm just like, Pat, come on. <laughs> Sit down. Come on. We'll, Calm we'll, down. We'll talk about this later. You know, I, I, and listen, that's where the trainers have to be trainers and the coaches have to be coaches. Like, it's not talk, we're not talking about putting them on a pitch count and shutting them down for a year or anything. It's just, hey, not, not this week, Pat. We'll, we'll take another look next week. We, we'll give you some second team reps to keep you loose and to keep you in the system and around your teammates and everything, but like, chill for, for two seconds. Um, yeah, I mean, you mentioned that, like, it's a very, this is very much an Andy Reid, spotlight game now, which I, th- I think is fair. Do you have anything in particular you're expecting to see from Andy Reid trying to manage the offense with Matt Moore at quarterback on Sunday? You know, I'm, I'm, I've been trying to kind of figure this out. So, like, I, I was crunching some numbers, and so far through seven weeks, the Chiefs are throwing the ball 62% of the time. And, I mean, that sounds about right. You know, like, I'm, yeah. I'm not really going to complain about that a whole lot i have said a couple times that it seems like the offense is unbalanced and maybe that's just because like if you're not trying to run and then you hand the ball off on second and 30 and you know some of these weird times that they've done it it's like why why you know it, it it's not necessarily like a run versus pass argument that needs to be had but i mean if you're trying to incubate a guy like matt moore and allow him to get the ball into the hands of your playmakers so that the offense can function like at, at its highest possible rate with a backup quarterback. Um, I don't think that necessarily means that they have to run the ball, mm-hmm. but I do think that like Andy's going to have to design it to where he's, he's really going to have to scheme guys open. You know, I'm not a huge X's and O's guys. I'm more like, let's just laugh and have some fun when we talk about football. But I I know that people have talked about how difficult it is to pick up the Andy Reid offense. Um, And even, like, defensively, you got that quote from Chris Harris, I think, last year, where he talked about, like, needing an IV after the game because he's like, dude, it's just a track meet. They Mm -hmm. make you run so much. And so with Matt Moore, it clearly makes them easier to defend. And so, like, I think that all the kind of bag of tricks type of stuff that Andy saves, that necessarily it may not be like the Patrick Mahomes plays, but the kinds of plays that we've seen from him over the years. Think about the different things that Andy Reid has done that ultimately end up getting copycatted by other teams. Oh, yeah. The first couple years that he was coaching the Chiefs, they ran that play uh, with Donnie Avery, where it was sort—it was like a screen, but it was like 15 yards down the field. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you like know what I'm talking yeah. about, but you know they've done that. They've done some of these like middle screens with Travis Kelsey and some of the shovel passes and stuff. Now you've seen this like drag and go from a wide receiver. Mm-hmm. Um, Chris Harris talked about how he had never had someone run that route against him. Yep. I mean, Andy Reid does stuff like this every single year. Like, he is an innovator. And if you can't rely on, like, the true magic that Patrick Mahomes brings to the table, 
I think that Andy's going to have to start dumping some of that stuff if he's concerned about winning these games. I think, to be honest, Josh, the only team of the next four, like the only team the Chiefs play in November that actually scares me, even with Matt Moore, is Green Bay. Um, I'm, I don't think that Minnesota or Tennessee or the Chargers, like, they're, they're not world beaters, man. Mm-hmm. So, I, I mean, talking about some of these things, it almost feels like it's more specific to Green Bay than it is, like, as long as Patrick Mahomes is out. I think that's totally fair because, like, listen, obviously those three games are more tenuous with Matt Moore than Patrick Mahomes, but, but they're not doomed. Like, this game feels... Probably as close to doomed as the Chiefs are going to feel uh, for, I don't know, maybe the next decade for all I know. Like, and, and doomed isn't even, I would say, arguably, maybe not even the right word. But whenever you say, you know, I'm not actually sure they have to, like, are you getting arrested? Be honest. No, I, you know, the last time I was in my car, you asked that question. <laughs> and I think it's just that, you know, I drive a Honda CRV. It's a little four-cylinder. It's, yeah. it's like a lawnmower. Yeah. Um, and so, like, when I accelerate, it's like, wee. You know, so I, I mean, that's probably not the exact sound that you heard, was that, uh, but I'm not great at impressions. I mean, it was, I would say it was a great impression. Um, I, I, I thought I heard uh, police sirens, but maybe it was your engine, which makes that even funnier. Yeah. yeah can was, you, that was my car. Can you accelerate loudly right now? Are you in a place in traffic where you can try to recreate this? Um, well, we're going to have to wait. I'm sitting at a stoplight on 71. Coward. I can, like, give myself some distance. Okay. So when we get the green, I can I can sort of gun it if you want. I would love that. Just just cut me off. I'm going to make a point until <laughs> it gets to that point, and then just say, here we go, and I'll get out of the way. Um, oh, oh that Ooh, sounds like – hold on. That was it. I gunned it. Oh. I, I, I gave don't, it all we got. I, I mean, I did hear a little car in there, but I could yeah. have sworn I heard police sirens earlier. I don't know. This I feel like I'm, I'm having tricks played on me now. <laughs> No, no, I haven't seen a policeman. Okay, or well, woman, police person, police car. Even we can go anthropomorphic, uh, like like go. we're in Cars Four, but it's just your Honda CRV and then whatever whatever sirens are are being created around you. I've never seen any of the Cars movies, but any of I them? know that no, I haven't. Wow, um, they all have like fun names, right? Like who's who's the main character in Cars? Oh, that's Lightning McQueen. Lightning McQueen. So if there were a Honda CRV in the Cars series, what would its name be? You don't have to answer right now. But I mean I think it's a fun thought experiment if we're trying like what do you drive? What would your car be called in the Cars universe? Your car is Harold Crave, for sure. Okay. Okay. Nice. Um or maybe now we're gonna go Harold Crave. Um, which also does sound like it could appear in an adult film, but we're gonna we're gonna gloss over that. I drive a Volvo, and so I don't know. I don't. I feel like I just feel like my my car would have to be. I actually don't even know where Volvos are made, so I, would ha- I was gonna say it would have to be sort of indicative of the region, but I'm not even sure. Mm. Let's see. I'm just gonna Google. Is it a wagon? Nope. No, it's uh no, it's, it's just, just a car. A it's just a car. <laughs> okay. Where are Volvos made? Um they have factories in Sweden and Belgium as well as China. Okay. And I think they now have a US factory it looks like maybe. None of this really solves Swedish. We're going Swedish. 
So uh, people can tweet us <laughs> Swedish car names and then also car names for a Honda CRV. I'm I'm sticking with what did I say? Harold Harold Crave. Harold, is it Crave? Like yeah. I'm craving some ice cream. Yeah, I mean I'm just doing a CRV thing. I'm just adding the yeah, vowels right. back in. Yeah, I got you. This is great. I had a point about the Chiefs' offense, and I'm glad that we left that for to find out those strange sounds coming from your car's engine, apparently. <laughs> Do you like your car, Ryan? Be honest. Ryan Scott Hall, the Amateur Chiefs podcast on Twitter at Ryan Scott Hall. Oh, man, I love my car. Um, this was actually, it, it ended up being like a Christmas gift from my dad and my stepmom. Awesome. Uh, maybe like Good. two years ago. Um, hey, now there's a cop. Don't know where he's at. I, but I can hear him. I, this is the sound oh. I've heard last time. That's him right there. There he goes. <laughs> um, do, do I love my car? Yes. Um, not just because it was a gift, but like I, I like to camp and hike quite a bit. Um, and so I wanted something that like could give me access to places that I didn't have to worry about with a car. Um, and, you know, it has a picnic table in the back. And it has a, a fifth tire for free on the back of the car. Like, it's, it's great. Sorry, it's awesome. it has... What year is it, by the way? I'm trying to get the specific... Uh, it's like a 2005, I think. It has a, it has a picnic table? Yeah, so, like, in the, in the way back, like, the storage area, where you would normally, like, under the carpet have, like, your donut yeah. tire. Yeah. Um, instead of that, there's, like, a jack that's in there, but it's, like... You have, like, the carpet, and then underneath the carpet is a picnic table. It's like a card table. It's perfect for tailgating because it's just there all the time. Yeah, this feels like an excellent tailgating vehicle. Yeah, it is. It's fantastic. Actually, you know what? The only thing that sucks, though, is that the back, um, instead of, like, opening up, it opens, like, out uh, like a car door does. So it's kind of awkward. It's It's a little weird. That is a little bit strange. But, you know, it's great. Have you, thought about, it, have you thought about Have you thought about canceling Amateur Hour and just trying to reboot Car Talk? Uh, Is the world no. ready for a Car Talk reboot yet? No, I don't. Dude, I don't know anything about cars. Like, it's perfect, though. Not... It continues the Amateur Hour brand. <laughs> oh, well, that's, actually, that's good. That's good. If we can just, it um, could be Amateur Hour Cars Edition. You know, it's interesting. Uh, I've been listening to... This is kind of uh, in your wheelhouse. I've been listening to that a pun? this podcast that The Ringer does. That's, gosh, Josh, you're on it today, man. Um, <laughs> I've been listening to this podcast that talks about Star Wars. Um, oh. They're kind of leading up to the new movie coming out. Yes. Um, it's, it's one of the Ringer podcasts. They call it Binge Mode. They've yeah, done yeah. it for Game of Thrones and Harry Potter, and now they're doing Star Wars. And one of the things that they talk about with George Lucas um, is that he is like a huge car person. He's really into car culture. Um, I think that the first movie, I don't know if it's the first movie that he made, but basically like before he did Star Wars, he did a movie called American Graffiti. Mm-hmm. And a lot of it is like car culture. Interesting. And so they were talking about how some of these scenes in Star Wars, it's like, you know, Chewie and Han working on the Falcon and like a lot of like male bonding kind of like leaning over the ships and that this is just like that is George Lucas like he is inserting that type of stuff in there because he loves cars interesting 
I had no idea. Yeah. I feel like if, if you get wealthy enough, you just sort of eventually become a car guy. Like, that sort of feels almost inevitable when you, like, own Lucasfilm or are Jerry Seinfeld oh, right. or whatever. But but having that in on the front end sort of changes that theory for me because he was just doing that from the jump. Yeah, I mean, and, I, you know, you almost wonder if, like, that was a way that he, I mean, this gets kind of deep, but like, if that's like how he bonded with his dad, because he's inserting these type of like male bonding scenes, yeah, um, always like over the engine of something. Um, but it also like makes it authentic, right? Like you're having to like, well, you know, the Millennium Falcon's got a flat tire. Like that's, that, that happens, you know, in, in hyperspace. I don't think okay, I don't think it does. Do you, you know what I mean? Like, no. <laughs> do you know where where the term wheelhouse comes from? I had to Google I, it. Huh? No. It's the uh, the part of a boat or a ship ser- serving serving as a shelter for the person at the wheel. Oh, really? So, like, it's like the captain. It's like the it's the it's the little house the for the wheel. Yeah, exactly. Huh. I did never, I never knew that. I thought about that. One thing that has continually fascinated me, that has followed me throughout all iterations of any show that I've done on this good radio station, is a nice dive into an origin of an idiom. I love finding the origin of an idiom. Well, and you know, does that sound your is... car? Were you accelerating yeah. there? Okay, now, yeah. okay, now I know the difference between the two. Well, so I, I, I think that what's really great about the show that you do is that it is truly, like, almost entirely sports. <laughs> like, people came today to listen to me talk about the Kansas City Chiefs with Correct. my friend Josh, right? <laughs> yes. But instead, they're going to talk about, you know, they're going to get to hear how George Lucas bonded with his dad over the engine of a car <laughs> and then inserted those things into Star Wars. And, like, it makes me think of that liner where you're like, yeah, Chiefs trade. <laughs> and, like, and now we're talking about the pineapple hat. Like, right. <laughs> you know, I think I, I absolutely love it. And, and I know that your audience does, too. So, you know what, guys? You're welcome. That's, see, that's and right there, that is the almost entirely sports dismount that you, the people needed was praise it, praise it, praise it. You know what, people? You're welcome. You're welcome for bringing you all of this. Absolutely. I, and so, like, you know, we could step back in to just, like, so you think the defense is legit. But we, we got, like, 20 minutes of serious Chiefs-Packers talk and then five minutes of learning about how George Lucas bonded with his father. I think this has been a good segment, and it's over now. Yeah, that, that absolutely works for me. I think we bookended it absolutely perfectly. Um, and, you know, listen, if, if anybody wants some top-tier liberal political tweets <laughs> in Kansas City— Come check out my Twitter feed, you know, Monday through Saturday. Yes, and then and then Sundays, you, it's like how Ray Lewis said, you pay me for Monday through Saturday. Sundays I give you for free. You, yep. you, you pay yep. for Ryan's Twitter account Monday through Saturday. Sundays you get for free. Uh, Absolutely. I like, I like all of your tweets, Ryan, except for the ones that aren't just praising me or retweeting me. Those I could do with more of those. You're right, man. You got a loud, you got a loud car. I, did, I, I have now... <laughs> I have now learned the error of my ways. That is not a police car. That is no. Nope, that's that's a 2005 Honda. Bring in that's your four cylinder engine. Bring it all of the rage of four cylinders and a card table in the back. Yes, sir. Four cylinders and five tires. <laughs> <laughs> wow. It's, I mean, man, 
I never thought about it that way, and I don't know if I should be embarrassed or if I just should feel prepared. No, I, think it's, I just think it's rad. I just think that you are you are absolutely hauling metal right now. Uh, you can follow Ryan on Twitter, at Ryan Scott Hall. You can listen to the Amateur Hour Chiefs podcast whenever they feel like it, all right? Just subscribe to the feed, and it'll magically show up. It'll be like it'll be like whenever you order a package on the internet from like somewhere in China, and then whenever it shows up, you're surprised because you forgot you ordered it. That's the Amateur Hour podcast, so... Uh, you can catch that with Ryan and Dirk every whenever they feel like it. Thank you, Ryan. Thanks, Josh. Have a good night, buddy. More Chiefs after this here on Sports Radio 810. Or maybe some Chiefs after this on 810. <laughs> Last call for Chiefs talk here tonight on Sports Radio 810. I'm Josh Abriska with you here for a few more minutes. Whenever you look ahead to uh, Chiefs and Packers on Sunday night, uh, and we'll we'll get more into this over the next couple of days here on 810, but, but something to think on tonight. Whenever you look ahead to, uh, to what could happen offensively with an offense without Patrick Mahomes, and we touched on this very briefly with Ryan last segment, but I, I really like this line of thinking. The Chiefs haven't run the ball a very high percentage of the time this year because that's not the baseline of this offense. The baseline of this offense is throwing the ball, and then you run situationally. It's the inverse of very old-school football thinking, but this is becoming more and more mainstream because it is statistically the right mindset to have. But whenever you look ahead to what this offense is going to look like with Matt Moore, I don't think this is going to become some ground-and-pound football team, not just because they're missing their two starting linemen on the left side and it's not an offensive line built for run blocking, although I do think that's a factor, but because still, great runs, at running the ball at a five yards per carry clip is still not as good as a very, you know, a poor Five and a half or six yards per attempt through the air is is relatively disastrous. The the Chiefs with Mahomes are a nine yards per attempt team, which is again like that's an extreme example because that's been this crazy offense with Patrick Mahomes. But even in a really rough start or rough uh, relief appearance. Uh, against the uh, Broncos on Thursday night, Matt Moore averaged 5.8 yards per attempt. You say, well, hold on, 57 yards in that game uh, were, were coming off of that one play to, uh, to to Tyree Kill. That's kind of, that was his whole, that was his whole game offensively. And you're, you know, roughly correct there, right? Like that is the, the tremendous, the tremendous chunk of what Moore was able to do against the Broncos, but that's kind of the point the rate at which, especially when you're throwing the ball to Tyree Kill, Travis Kelsey, maybe in this game Sammy Watkins, the rate at which you can get big plays like that is tremendously larger. Plus, even whenever you're throwing the ball shorter, which I expect Matt Moore to do a lot of, by the way, and it doesn't go for a big, huge gain like that Tyree Kill touchdown did, you're, you're in many cases, instead of handing the ball off in traffic behind the line of scrimmage by a couple of yards... Matt Moore's not as accurate as Patrick Mahomes, so this is not as true as it would be. But in many cases, you can be basically handing the ball to Travis Kelsey or LaShawn McCoy or someone in space a few yards down the field. Getting in space a few yards down the field is like the dream, especially with blocking, is like the dream of any running back. 
you get to jump straight to that in the screen game. And Matt Moore should be able to execute the screen game. If he can't, this team is bleeped. Like This team is 100% unequivocally screwed if, if Matt Moore can't complete screen passes. So I'm assuming that he can. You throw all of those screens all day long, even if it goes for, for three or four yards, that's what most run plays end up looking like. And if a few of those are able to convert first downs, and, and then you can have more answering a few questions in terms of six-yard slants over the middle to Travis Kelsey, and then occasionally finding, tra- finding Tyreek Hill in a beautifully schemed route like we saw on Thursday Night Football against the Broncos, then there's your big play that keeps that drive, that, that, where, where a drive that you kept going for long enough turns into a big firework drive at the end, not because it was, it was beautiful the whole way through, but because you had enough little plays to keep the chains moving and then the firecracker goes off. It's a very different mindset than we've had with Patrick Mahomes, obviously, but I liked the gist of what Ryan was getting at again last segment. This is a game where Andy Reid needs to say, all right, I'm going to work with what I got here, and that is not going, in my mind, to end with him running the ball more than they pass it or, or even equally to, to what they to how they pass it. I still think this team will throw the football. It will look different, no question. But I, I think that will at least be the attempt. It also won't be as successful as it would be with, with Patrick Mahomes, but I, I think it would be silly for this team to change philosophies completely um, and, and become, again, some sort of ground-and-pound team when that isn't what this team was built to do. Like, Matt Moore is not the ideal shot-for-shot remake of Patrick Mahomes as a backup, but I I do think they attempt to throw the ball maybe like they did back in the Alex Smith years. So we will continue to look ahead to that as I am live from Olathe Subaru tomorrow from noon to 2 if you want to swing by for that. And then Sunday night, Brad Porter and I will do a pregame show leading right up to kickoff. Uh, right before the game, and then right after Chiefs postgame, me and Brad will follow. So I'll keep talking into these microphones over the weekend right here on Sports Radio 810. If you missed any of Ryan Scott Hall, last segment, or any of the show tonight, you can just check out Almost Entirely Sports wherever you get your podcasts. This isn't Almost Entirely Sports in its true form, but it's close enough that we put it up on the AES podcast feed. So just search for Almost Entirely Sports wherever you get your podcasts or look in the 810 mobile app. That's it for us tonight. Thanks to Landon Fields for filling in for Beards McFly, hitting all the buttons to get us through this late evening. I'll talk to you again tomorrow at noon right here on Sports Radio 810. Bye, Mom. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. Laundry? Ooh, a book club! Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, over by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.